At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All right, we are going live. We actually, we are live. Um, welcome, folks. Uh, this is Doug Crow, and um, I got to tell you something. Um, I've got on the show today a senior executive with 22 years experience in customer experience, business strategy, cross-cultural team mm. leadership, change management, organization renewal, brand building, the works. And her resume, I don't have time to read her whole resume, so I have to bullet point it because it's so extensive. Uh, 11 years at Procter & Gamble with experience in all three global business units from front-end innovation to retail. She's a head of marketing, a head of retail marketing in Asia for a little company you may have heard of called Apple. Uh, now she's also worked with um, Intercontinental Hotel Group, a $2.7 billion company, and was also, of course, a CMO of China for another company you may have heard of. She was a C senior VP of marketing of Starbucks. Uh, she's now working for the McCann Group worldwide in China, and you won't find a classier and sharper executive than this woman who's here to talk about something that fuels her beyond her work, beyond household brands, beyond international business stuff. She's gonna talk today about her new book called The Spare Room. So pay attention folks, I'm honored to have with us today, Emily Chang. Emily, tell us Thanks everything. So <laughs> <laughs> Very well, 20 minutes or less, tell us the whole thing. So that's, you, you've had like, you're like the Forrest Gump of business and you've been like everywhere. Well, I didn't ever plan it. I think there are a lot of great opportunities that came up. And for me, it was always, does this sound like something I can learn from and grow from? And is there something that I can contribute uniquely to? And mm -hmm. um, I kind of, there was this quote I read like 20 years ago, dance to life's rhythms instead of making life march to yours. So for an undergrad science uh, major and a finance MBA person, I've ended mm -hmm. up here because I like that quote and I kind of followed its philosophy followed it and actually executed on a lot of people think you know they talk to philosophy don't walk the walk and you've obviously walked it so that's impressive um so so you're cool you've you've, you've been there done that but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about your book the spare room so i watched the ted talk we've chatted briefly a couple times before this but for the people who don't know what this is about i'd love to hear your your story on this and of course i want to also people there's a book available we'll talk about the book in a minute but um i want to hear emily's perspective on how it came to be. Yeah, I guess I'll start by saying it was a creative experience. So every year I and both of uh, my husband and my daughter pick something to try. Mm -hmm. It keeps us out of our comfort zone and it keeps us stretching towards something, but not in a way that, you know, you write New Year's resolutions and then, you know, 90% yeah. of them don't get done by the end of the year. We right. pick one thing each year that we say, let's just see if we can do it. And, and I think something that's important is it's something that we've either never done before or that we're afraid to do. And we don't define success or failure. We simply say we're going to try it. So it's been everything from learning the cajon drum to, you know, learning how to pour a perfect espresso to how to um, run a marathon. So it's been everything. And one year I decided, you know what, let's see if we can write a book. And I'll tell you, that was a couple years ago, actually, Doug. And mm -hmm. I ended up putting it on the back burner because I was invited to do a TEDx talk, my first one. And I thought, oh, that's yeah. a great way to tell the story. Maybe it's not about a book. Maybe it's just storytelling. So I did the TEDx uh, at Shanghai Theater, which was amazing. And it's a nine-month experience preparing for a proper TEDx. So it was kind yep. of like birthing a child. <laughs> <laughs> nine months, yes. Yeah, pretty much. And then after that, I thought, let's put the book on the back burner because I think maybe maybe the thing was done. 
And then I kind of continued to kind of feel this nagging thing. And a lot of friends were saying, you should still write this book. And some of the kids in our spare room were encouraging us, you know, we would love it if you'd write our stories. Some, some did not, but some did. And we thought, well, maybe, maybe in the future. And I started to carve out a couple hours every weekend. Eventually it came to a point where a family had an opportunity to go to the States. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my career and I've never stopped. I've kind of been to your earlier introduction, recruited one job after the other. And I just kept going and loved it. But I thought, you know, some things you don't have to wait until you retire to do. Some things maybe are better done now while they're fresh on the mind and while I have the real passion to do it. So that year I said, well, let's, let's write the book and let's give it a year. And there's no success. We don't have to find an agent. I don't even know how to do that. We don't have to publish. I just want to write all the stories down and kind yes. of let it be a creative experience. Mm -hmm. And then it just unfolded, like dancing to life's rhythms. And we did find an agent. And when I say we, it, it, this whole thing has been very much a family affair. Because <laughs> it's also our story as a family. And then we came to a place where a publisher was interested. So it started off as a memoir of stories from our spare room. And I'll talk about what that was. And yep. then it eventually became an anthology of stories to kind of broaden appeal and relevance for people across all different walks of life, countries, um, industries, and levels. And then, you know, I think I think I started my career at Procter & Gamble and a little bit of my proctoid came back because I really wanted somebody to close the book and not just think, oh, that was really nice or, oh, cool, but I don't know what to do. I wanted it to be a really actionable experience so that by the time you mm. close the book, not only feel inspired, hopefully, but you also say, I know what I want to do with my life. So mm. it's sort of, at this point, I would say it's less of a book, more of a call to action. And my desire would be that it becomes a movement. Love that. I love that so much. So many, you know, I our company of course publishes books, and it's like I, I, I unfortunately have to reject most of the people that we talk to because it's just about wanting to become famous or you know promote their own stuff, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't it doesn't serve me. You know, personally, I want mm -hmm. to do things that make a difference in the world. So we're very honored to work with you on this. Mm -hmm. So now we want to get to the meat of this. Now the spare room. What is this about? Airbnb or what? <laughs> so yes, it started off as a kid that I drove by on a rainy, cold night and she was beaten up and I, I couldn't leave her on the street. Mm -hmm. So it didn't start off with a lot of intention, I will fully admit. It started off mm -hmm. as like, gosh, that, that little girl needs a safe place to stay. How and old was then she? She was, she was 13, just turned 14 at the time and looked about eight. She was yeah. Asian. She certainly, mm -hmm. you know, there was sort of this like, gosh, that person looks a lot like me. And she had yeah. run away from home very, very quickly, ended up on the street, um, was trading sexual favors for food. And you know, if, if you would just kind of step back and said, guess what, Emily, you're gonna be working three jobs, trying to get your double degree, and you're gonna take in a teenage <laughs> prostitute who's homeless, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. There's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> and I think that's part of, part of the story. I wanna be really vulnerable in my experiences, Doug, because yes. it's not like I'm a good person. It's not like I tried to do something. It's like, look, I took one step. I took her to dinner. And then as she's okay. walking out, I'm like, well, I can't just let her go back out in that rainy night with with no bag, no belongings, a beaten up face. So yeah. she stayed one night in my in my apartment and then she stayed another night and then it just evolved from there. And then I think my first lesson is you can do so much more than you can possibly anticipate. Like, again, yeah. if you'd asked me, would you do this thing? I would have straight up told you, no way. I'm way yeah. too busy at capacity. I'm not interested. It doesn't sound safe, hygienic, mm -hmm. but you find 
that your life has a lot of capacity. And, and I think the other thing you find is when you're in the heart of giving in a meaningful way that you, I feel you are uniquely designed to give, it's not sacrificial, it's not bitter or painful. It's actually, it, it creates abundance, you know? Yep. And, and you find that you have more time and you have more passion and you wake up more energized because you're in the heart of doing something really good and meaningful to yourself. That's not only helping somebody else, but in many ways, helping you. You know, that is so powerful. I, I've done a lot of research. I, I volunteer for Rotary, the Youth Leadership Program, and we always say when we're done with that weekend program that it was, it was as impactful, if not more impactful for us as volunteers as it is for the kids. And people people think sometimes, I don't know who, but they get like, oh, I, I tithe my 10% or I donated to the church. Or I, I give these donations. I do money, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. So it's necessary. But to be active and actually do something has a ripple effect as well as, you know, the personal side of it. I mean, one of my friends said, um, volunteerism is the most selfish thing you can do. I'm like mm. what? Oh, he said, well, think, think about it as well. Cause you feel you're doing it to make yourself feel better technically mm. at the, at the base level. Yes. We're serving mankind, all that. That's, that's important, but you do it's, it's fight or flight. It's what makes you feel good or not. It's makes you feel good. Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, that's really crazy. So where, what, where were you? What city or country was this? That was when I was in my undergrad at University of Rochester. So it was in upstate okay. New York. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, wow. and then she, her name was Leah, or we, we yeah. call her Leah in the book. She moved on. She ended up with mm -hmm. a foster family so that she could mm -hmm. go back to school. And then another girl off the street um, that she had met when she was homeless had she she kind of connected us and that was the second girl she said hey i stayed there you know for i think it was three or four months could you bring this girl in and i said well yeah and, and 10 years later back. emily's got a whole apartment complex full of yeah. women she saved <laughs> so those were the first two and they were definitely yeah. connected and then i'll say like over time these young people sometimes they were teenagers probably mm -hmm. more often than not we've had 16 kids over the last two decades more were oh teenagers yeah. yeah. Um, some more babies. And then there was one mm -hmm. sort of like a young adult in his, his early twenties, mm -hmm. but there's always been this really interesting thread where like one will lead to the next. Now in this case, one recommended the other, but later one experience somehow unravels into mm -hmm. another, into another. And so a, a lot of people will ask, um, are you guys a foster family? You know, how do you sign up for this? And I, my answer is it is really like this weirdly magical thing. These people mm -hmm. keep finding us. We have never once gone out and said, hey, we have a spare room, who wants to move in? And I think that's part of what I wanna tell the story for is that uh -huh. when you're in the heart of this sort of what I believe you're created to do, like you're yeah. living with intention and intention will find you. Like you will become a magnet for yep. people who need what you have to give. Yep. You always find what you're looking for, right? If I'm looking for hate, I'll find it. If I'm looking for love, I'll find that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is for sure. I was just talking about that today. Um, oh, some I, people... I, I, I've been, I actually got rid of all social media from my phone for that reason, because I had, really? I had the wrong streams. I had the wrong things in there. And as soon as I said, just, just get rid of it. And I started going for walks in nature and I'm like, oh, I heard there's a pandemic. I'm not sure, but the trees aren't participating <laughs> in that and the birds don't know about it. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do uh, like attracts like, and some people yeah. we were talking about it today feed off of positive things. Some people feed off of negative things. I think mm -hmm. um, you want to attract yourself. I was talking to my daughter the other day. So I think we generally end up as sort of the average of the five people we spend the most time with, right? We are yep. inevitably influenced by the energy around us and the people around us. We sort of form our thoughts based on the inputs that we receive. So it's really important. 
important, I was telling her, especially, you know, as a girl in middle school who's surrounded by right. all kind of girl drama, it's yeah. important to surround ourselves with what we think builds us up. Yeah, that's a famous quote. I forgot which, you know, which person said that years ago, the five people you hang out with, it was Brian Tracy or somebody. But yeah, think, about how that, think about how that applies nowadays. Hmm. We don't hang out with anybody. <laughs> we we yeah. hang out with this computer thing or our phone and there's a hundred or a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We need to we need to redo we need to reset that quote or say something. You'll 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 become the the you're not gonna become the thousand influencers you follow, but you become the five people you actually go and meet and have coffee with or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Update it for, yeah, the, that's for the century. True. The ones that you you make time for, right? That there's I've, there's I mean there's that. people in my life that I, I just love and adore, but I don't get a chance to see them because you know traveling and COVID right. whatnot. Yeah, huh. exactly. I don't know whether I'm mm. excited or depressed right now. I can't decide. <laughs> well, you have okay, more choice so, than ever before, right? So that's a positive. Well, that's a, that's a great thing, right? So I, I'm, in, I'm in Rio right now because I chose to be here. I'm like, oh, are you going to Brazil? It's dangerous. I'm like, uh, no, it's not. It's fine. I went to the beach yesterday. I love Rio. Yeah. Every um, time I talk to you, you're in a different country, honestly. Well, not this this year, I've been a I've long stay here, but yeah, I, I um, Back to your point about um, not waiting to retire to do things. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to take a, a cruise years ago. And it was a Forbes cruise, right? I got to meet Malcolm Forbes and all that stuff. It was cool. And right before the big you know, presentation, um, I'm outside in the lobby. I see about eight or nine walkers lined up on the cruise ship. Okay. I'm like, okay. So all these people worked their butts off and yeah. then decided to retire and go on this cruise. Mm. So I think I'm going to do it before I need a walker. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I like so that. I decided, I decided to start traveling and, and design my business around what I wanted versus the other way around. But yeah. Enough about me. So I'm gonna go back to you. So the um, so these these people have come into your life over two decades. You've been doing this. Yeah. So Leah was the first. I just turned 20 years old, and the last was a year and a half ago. A, a girl named Lotus, and she's in the book as well. And she uh -huh. she's the one, I think I told you about her before. She grew up in a brothel. Um, uh -huh. Her mom is a prostitute. She didn't just uh -huh. she didn't just share a, a place with her mom. She shared a room. That's all they had. Yeah. And there's sort of like a, a community bathroom down the hallway. Uh -huh. yeah. So she she grew up pretty rough. She was she was right. for sure the most challenged kid from a from a mental stability, yeah. spiritual wellness, mental wellness kind of standpoint that we've had. Mm -hmm as well as just sort of personality challenging because because for her to have survived where she did for so long, seeing what she had seen, um, she was she was a very, very tough kid. And was that cut was that in the US or China? Where was that one? That that one was in China. Yeah. yeah. And she, you know, it was it was like layers of complexity for our family because she was an older mm -hmm. sister to my yeah. daughter, who's had older girls as siblings, let me think, twice before, um, yeah. but, but in a very different way. Like I'd come home and she'd be teaching Lainey Dirty Dancing. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's, re, let's re channel that energy somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I have so many. I have, uh, I have stories to share with you about a guy I know. I met an Australian former DEA agent who oh. was travel, traveling in, in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And he's at dinner with his wife. And his wife goes to the restroom. Some guy comes by to him and says, do you want to buy this girl? He says, excuse me? Mm -hmm. Do you want to buy this girl? He had a little girl. And he's like, no, mate. What are you talking? Yeah. He didn't understand it because yeah. the, the sex trafficking was just horrible. He, um, it shocked him so much. He went back or resigned from the DEA and started his own nonprofit to uh, stop sex trafficking. He's been hunting mm -hmm. them down his whole, mm -hmm. for like, know, like 10, 15 years now. And wow. uh, the stories he told me, 
-hmm. were not something you want to repeat or they wouldn't even put them in a movie they were so horrible yeah just just it's crazy stuff and the 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 the, the volume of traffic nobody even understands how big and how horrible it is with because it's much it's much safer for these guys to do that versus drugs and more profitable yeah. right so um right. so you and glenn are my heroes for sure that's no, uh, i'd love to meet him because that sounds like a perfect oh. social legacy story i mean literally. oh I'll, I'll give you one more one more thing he came to me we talked real briefly and uh he's so cool former undercover dea guy right so he's he's looked at like bad guys in the face with no gun on him and we're talking about his business and he wanted to hire us to do some PR for him. And I was telling him about, oh, okay, we could do this, this, this. And he's like, yeah, money's a little bit of an issue. I'm like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. what, tell me, what, what, what are you doing to raise that? Like, well, I'm kind of shy to ask for money. Oh, for what he's so, doing? So, well, you think about it. He's like, he's so good with the bad guys, but now he's talking to good people and trying to ask them for favors. Like, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me a story about what you've, what you've done in the past. And um, after about 10 minutes, I said, there's no charge for you. <laughs> you're gonna get oh, this PR. This is, yeah. Oh, this is this is this is whatever you need forever, right? So, I gave him some sales and fundraising training on how to ask by just mm -hmm. telling this, like he did to me. Just tell that story, tell them what you're yeah. doing, what impact will make it. Don't even ask for the money; it'll come. Right. And about six months later, they did a documentary film for him in Australia. His um, his company's called Project Karma, right? Which is interesting, oh, interesting word. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. connect up with them for sure. Um, yeah. But he um, he's has no problem problem that I'm aware of recently and, and make the thing go. He's a uh, he's a uh, amazing soul that he's you know he did he it it's, it cost him his marriage. He's like I'm doing this, <laughs> go wow. on yeah. But he wow. um, he you'll like this from a from a, a, a humanistic standpoint. I think I asked him about these stories. Said, well, you're in the jungle. You just you know caught this guy. I mean you're a former law enforcement. No one's around. And the stories he told me, I had no problem asking this question. I'm like, well, yeah. Why would you just make him disappear? Just yeah. put him in, put him in the garbage. Just put a bolt in his head and bury it. Mm -hmm. He said, Doug, I've met enough of these guys to the point where I pity them. The pedophiles, not the yeah. traffickers. The pedophiles. Yeah. He says yeah. they're definitely mentally ill, and you know you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't murder a uh, a person who's got Down syndrome. So I wouldn't I wouldn't murder these guys. Mm -hmm. But the traffickers, he says, they're evil. <laughs> And he has such a hard time trying to uh, capture them because as soon as he staked out a place and found it, he had to get local law enforcement to help him out. Right. Well, they're all on the take. Yeah, They're all on the take. So he has to go to the state or, or federal level and find out who's not on the take at that level and get them to, to bust the ring. So he's done that a few times. And part of his program, you'll like, is the mental rehabilitation of these kids. Uh, so he's got... Yeah. Um, uh, safe houses set up. Nobody knows where they are. They're completely mm -hmm. anonymous. We've got therapists and people in there to help them, you know, rewire their brains a little bit. But, uh, you know, we definitely yeah. should meet. And I, and one of the things yeah. I'm passionate about, like in my free time is as I'm meeting mm -hmm. more and more people, like everybody's extraordinary, aren't they? Yeah, he's just right. somebody who had that major catalytic moment where he's like, this mm -hmm. is now my social legacy. This is what yeah. I really care about. This is what I'm able to bring to the table. I'm mm -hmm. going to do this. There are lots yeah. of people like that. And I, you know, there are three different organizations I know of within Shanghai that are doing similar mm -hmm. work. And you just think if I can help them scale, like bring in the business yeah. savvy side, and say, yes. how do we tell yes. your stories together? How do we help you get leverage resources and, and mm -hmm. you know, reduce cost and get to that level? Like international justice ministries, they're mostly made up of, of lawyers. 
because they're mm. all about prosecution and getting to the root of the issue. Um, right. Eden Ministries is all about how do they find jobs for women, mm -hmm. young girls mm -hmm. after they're rehabilitated. And you're like, God, I feel like this whole thing kind of fits together, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, get get the word out. And the, the hardest thing, as you know, in business is, you know, asking people for money without a tangible exchange of value. It's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, make you feel good or do, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a little bit tougher for the nonprofit uh, and, you know, NGO world, but it's definitely doable. Just gotta, it is. It is. Yeah. I, I. That's one of the things I think you know is all of the profits of my book are going to the board that I sit on, uh, the that's SOS right. Children's Villages, because right. because it is hard. And mm -hmm. I was thinking this is sort of like the win-win that keeps on giving. Hopefully, yeah. the book can be dedicated to them. All the profits go to them. And every time I talk about the book, I hopefully bring a little awareness to them and and right. help them generate more awareness on the amazing work that they do. So, they buy a book. Profits go to your nonprofits you have. What else? What else can we do here? I'm just, we're just going to brainstorm right now. Oh, live. Well, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I mean, come on. I mean, uh, a dollar goes a long way, but you know, a thousand goes even farther. So yeah, you know, game is well, um, one thing is, you know, we, we're, we're doing a couple of live events just for fun because some of the people yeah. who are so extraordinary and have their stories told, I want to give them a platform through this book. Yeah. So Quentin Robinson is the gentleman who who worked eight years in the military in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. um, he's now started a nonprofit called Movements for Movements, and I'm going to have all I have and, and host him. Tara nice. Balwani is this incredible woman who was the lead singer for Cirque du Soleil's show, Kuza, for many years, I think seven, seven or eight years, and then had this major pivotal point where, I don't know if you remember the Nirbhaya case. It was a rape case in, in India. It happened like two blocks from her home, and she was sitting oh. in a major theater in London when she saw this thing starting to, to hit the news. And she was oh. like, I think it brought back a lot of memories from when she grew up in India. And she kind of said, what, it's, it's this really interesting thing. I just had goosebumps thinking about it. She, she thought to herself in this grand theater as she prepared to mm. perform this amazing, outrageous show, yeah. what am I using my voice for? She asked, am yeah. I using it to make a difference in the best way that I can? And so her chapter is called A Voice for the Voiceless because she decided to use her voice for something else and she wants to commit her life to that. I mean, there's so many extraordinary people like the book doesn't generate any profit, but I hope it profits everybody that we talk about. And I hope it gives them a platform and helps people understand that there are unsung heroes yeah. everywhere. They deserve right. to be recognized. And you're an unsung hero. If you are listening to this, if you have read the book and you're like, this is this is why there's a very simple construct for the social legacy. But people generally will either say, I know the thing that pisses me off, like your friend Glenn. I know the thing that I really want to go after, but I don't know how. Other people will generally say, I kind of have an idea of what I could contribute, you know, whether it's money, time, resource, but I don't know where to direct it. So really the social legacy is the intersection of those two very simple things. What is the offense, the thing that calls to you personally? Like when I drove by Leah on the street, I couldn't drive uh -huh. by. You know, right. when Tara saw the Nirvaya rape case, though she had not experienced that kind of um, dramatic event personally, it really impacted her personally. Uh, and then the other side is the offer. What is it that you uniquely contribute? When you can find the intersection of those two things, that's what mm -hmm. we're calling the legacy. And, and you know, somebody asked me recently, why don't you call it purpose? And I said, well, it's not that different, but it's more specific. I wanted to push myself to get very specific about what it is that we're helping people identify. So your okay. legacy is uh, something that you leave in the world around you such that it's better for having had you there. 
right? So yeah. Yeah. social is defined. You were just talking about how we, we're not even in person anymore in the state. So social is maybe it's only online. Maybe that's your social group. Maybe it's offline. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your neighborhood. But you could define social as your workplace, your coworkers. It could be your country. It could be your region. It could be the earth. That could be the thing that really, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, kind of matters to you. Yeah. So your social legacy is the definition of what your social thing is and then what it is you contribute against what offends. And that's your legacy that you leave behind. And that, that's what the book is all about. That's the spare room is just a euphemism for that. And yeah. I truly believe the more I talk to people, everyone's got one. So if you haven't yes. figured it out, oh, leave yeah. the book because by the time you close the book, the way- Hold that book like, up, Emily. Let's see that. You have a handy? Oh. <laughs> I do have one with little notes and stuff in it. Okay. This is- that's fine. Wait, Am I in it? Yeah, put, it, put, it, put it right in front of your face, Aaron. Okay, that's good. The spare room, folks. Get this book. Get this book. It's gonna. It's gonna. It could, if it if it won't change the world, it'll certainly change your world. So get it uh -oh. and do it. Um, that's my hope. So here's here's an idea for you because you're you're a business gal. You understand how to, how to apply what you've learned to one place or to somewhere else. Have you ever done like a research on how TEDx talks got started, how they grew, and everything? A little bit, yeah. yeah. I, when I did my first one, I was I was a little curious about the process because it mm -hmm. was so. Mm -hmm. It's it's they've got their process down to a, a T, right? Exactly, you know, what is it, 20 minutes, 18 minutes, um, vetting, um, they get the whole thing. So it's it's uh it can't be it can't get um polluted with marketing, you know. They've 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 made it very pure. Yeah. What if you just started your own, not don't use their brand, but an, the social, you know, a different just model them. Can you imagine that all the people that people like you and Glenn that want to actually give that talk? And start your own, you know, have mm. a different moniker for it, but start your own yeah. version of TED just for people who, you know, make a difference. I love that. I mean, that's the whole idea of this being a movement because I would love yeah. to dialogue. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day too, like, what's success for you? How many sales do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even think I know how many we've sold because for me, it's not a numbers thing. It's, you know, right. I hope we bring some benefit to SOS Children's, but it's really a dialogue in society it's like what if people start asking each other what's your spare room oh my god let me tell you about my spare room how can i help you find your spare room like yeah that that starts getting really exciting because i also think stories and that's why there's so many stories in this book can inspire new thinking and it also helps take away the scariness of it which is oh so you're saying a 24 year old physical therapist living in arkansas suddenly heard about orphans in Ukraine that can't be adopted because they're deemed unadoptable. And she realized that she could probably help them with some very simple physical therapy exercises yeah. and gave up, gave up one of her Christmas vacations to go to the Ukraine. And, you know, eight years later, hundreds of orphans are now adopted because of oh this one young girl, right? And she's still living yeah. a humble life. Her name is Karen in Texas mm -hmm. with four kids, one of whom she adopted from the Ukraine. Like she is a total hero. What she's yep. done, I want people to know about. Not because I want to like glamorize her or put her on a pedestal, but I, I want people to see like the beauty in everybody around yes, us. Yes, there I, you go. You know, I think yeah. it changes our empathy because Dude, you know, we all meet people who are tough to work with, who can be a total pain in the ass, right? Yeah, but you fired a client here and then, yeah. <laughs> I used to tell myself, this is somebody's daughter, this is somebody's husband, like somebody loves this person. So there's really, <laughs> there are really qualities. Yeah, even, even Hitler had a grandma. We understand. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, that might be too far. That might be too far. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so SRT, do your SRT talk, your spare room talk. Spare room talk. And it started. Yeah. Short, it's gonna be like 10 things, three, three, three letters. Hard to get the uh, domain, but we'll figure that out. 
But yeah, I think start 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 the talking series and the same parameters. Make it no no junk, no marketing, just your spare room. What's your spare room talk? Hmm. Start it, launch it, make it grow, get it viral, get some media on it. Cool. I'm ready down with that. That could be really you fun. Ready? You ready? Yep. All right. I just have the thing, right? So, so this is like the cover of the book, which is not beautiful. Yeah. I, I understand. No, I, it's not. No, who said? No, no. Hold on a second. I'm, I've been doing book covers for 12 years. Okay. I could, I could pick it apart psychologically for you right now. <laughs> Don't please. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number one, it's the spare room with the door opening. You're going to go into a door. There's a psychological, like what's beyond the door. Okay. What's what's the subtitle say on that? Can't read the subtitle. Uh, it's very practical because I wanted it to just, it's, it's the business side of me. It says okay. to find your social legacy, to yeah. live a more intentional life and lead with authentic purpose. You've got great colors, right? It's a soft, uh, sea, sea like foam green thing there. Yeah. yeah. Teal and the, the spare room. It's very inviting Emily. Cause it's got the door openings. You want to go into that spare room. Oh, good. Well, Fine. I was just thinking, we were talking about this TEDx talk idea. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if this were the stage and every person came out the door? Wouldn't that be cool? Very cool. So you already got the branding, yeah. you the branding done there. We'll former, look back and be like, remember CMO. we talked about this idea? <laughs> yeah. Um, only only small thing I'd say is on your, on your Kindle version, you got to mm -hmm. increase the font on the subtitle so it's readable on the thumbnail. Just tell your... Do you know I have obviously purchased my own Kindle book, but I haven't yeah. even opened it yet. And I met my narrator, Cindy Kay, who's amazing, mm -hmm. and I downloaded yeah. the Audible, but I haven't listened to it yet. So I just, I need to do all yeah. these things. It's just a small <laughs> thing. I'll, I'll, have, I'll have Rika give you a note on a couple of small things they could okay. just to tw tweak it up for you. But um, okay. when you when you look at, when you, when you go on Amazon and you look at book covers, some of them are unreadable and people gloss over them. So they got to be unreadable on a 75 mm. by 75 pixel thing. That's all. It's okay, minor, good. Minor <laughs> um awesome all right so we're gonna do this again i think we'll i think we'll hop on a, another call um again we'll do one one now one for mother's mother's day week That'll be good. okay if you, if you, if you cool. can that way I could, I could do like you said do some promotion on this stuff and we'll we'll, we'll spice it up I'll, I'll put the i'll put those uh uh those wonderful testimonies you have from ceo of william sonoma ariana huffington playa playa <laughs> Well, you know, this is like, these are generous, generous souls. They're people yes. who share a philosophy and they're willing to share their mm -hmm. name right. and promote something that they, they think is worth sharing. And I was, I was very, very grateful. Yeah. Well, it, it goes a long way in marketing as you, as you probably know that, you know, yeah. name drop, we love celebrity branding. Um, it works <laughs> as much as we love it and hate it. It still works. So got to use it. Um, all right. The spare room folks, um, available for a special offer on mother's day week coming up here. So go to Amazon and you'll get it for, I think we're gonna do it for 99 cents that week, huh? That's right, that's right. That's right. Special, special Mother's offer. offer. Special Mother's <laughs> Offer. Most importantly, don't buy one copy. Buy one for yourself and one for somebody else. You don't do that, you're not embracing the topic here. <laughs> Seriously, you should buy 10 and give more to your friends. That's, that's a good right. promotion. We should, we'll talk about that um, uh, before next, uh, before Mother's Day actually, or maybe after. Okay. Let's talk about doing a, um, a, bulk, a bulk promotion for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll tell you, you, I have a quick story about this. You'll like this. Uh, Bill Glazer from Glazer Canada, good marketing guy, um, had this great promotion for his book, um, Outrageous Advertising. It's Bill and like this straight check. It's a funny guy. <laughs> and I'm going through his funnel, all this thing about how to get his book, right? Buy a book, yeah. you know. If you buy the book now, um, pre-order, I'll give you the PDF for free right now. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I click on that. The next page says, now, 
if you want to get a $2,000 ticket to my event for free, buy 10 books and give them to your friends and, and business associates. So hmm. I'm like, I can get a $2,000 ticket event for buying 10 books? Done. Great you know, deal. a couple hundred yeah. bucks? Done, right? Ask me if I went to his event. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even go. It was the wrong time, but the marketing of oh, like getting, getting this yeah. ticket and I bought 10 books. I gave away nine. I kept one. It, it served its purpose, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying, you know, but, but in terms of our events, you know, for the uh, SRT talks, it'll be different. SRT talks. I got to think about that a little more. I, do, I like the idea a lot. Somebody else asked me, would you be doing, because they, they've just gone through the exercises and I've been getting, starting to get feedback from people on social-legacy.com website. And they're kind of like, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? Somebody loved the exercises so much. She said, would you do a training program like this? I would love to see yeah. this brought to my office. And I thought, you know, I, I do have a day job I love. <laughs> so if there becomes overwhelming demand for something like that, I kind of, I'm still willing to dance to life's rhythms and go wherever it goes. But, and, uh, and, you know, and you get people like that become advocates, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to do it all yourself, you know, I'll help. True. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll pick you up on that. Easy enough. Um, and then other people who believe in it, um, they love being part of something, right? The whole tribal mm -hmm. thing of being part of something and saying, no, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a, uh, um, I've got the badge as an advocate for the, you know, spare room advocacy or spare room. I'm a, I'm a, mm -hmm. um, and the fraternity, I'm a, I'm a junior liaison officer. You can make up a bunch of titles, but as yeah. soon as you've gone through the training, you can be a, a spare room, uh, uh, advocate mm -hmm. and do your mm -hmm. own. It's all the, you know, it's like, you know, licensing franchising type of thing, but you do it at the, uh, yeah. at that kind of level. It's, Leverage it. Don't do it all yourself. Keep your job for a while. I love this job. Yeah. Okay. And the book is just is supposed to be this. Um, like, let's see, let's see where the movement takes off. And and that's what I want to be right. open to. Like, it might go in one right. direction. It might go in a totally different. It might go in a, become mm -hmm. a training course one. Whatever it is. Yeah. Or maybe it just stays where it is and just starts touching. You know, one person who reads mm -hmm. it at a time. I'm totally yeah. open with. Yeah. That's that's all good too. Awesome. All right, folks, the spare room, get it on Amazon, reserve it now, get it uh, Mother's Day week, whatever works for you, and buy more than one copy if, you're, if you've got the, uh, if you understand what we're talking about here. All right, Emily, we'll definitely talk again. We're going to do this again. I'll set up something a little more, a little more uh, organized, but good job. Sounds good. Thanks okay, so much, Doug, for everything. Bye-bye. Bye.